הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתים של דורנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתים שוכני הפרה הקדוש שבארץ המה. ובפחד רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסודו למנחן ובמקו חוכמה רבנו נחנו נפגע בן שמחה. נא נח נחמן נחנו נאומן דחותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. So ברוך השם, we enter a new סימן שיחות הר"ן, new lesson of שיחות הר"ן, lesson 81. Continuing almost on the same idea which we discussed in the last section, uh, section 80. where we talked about how people can have a bigger influence for negativity on others, even more than the Yetzirah has. But Rabbi is going to take a different approach, and how people can hold others back in a different fashion. Not in the same token in the way we explained it above, but um, um, a little bit different. So let's hop into it. B'nei Adam hem moni'im g'dolim me'od. Human beings, people, can deter and hold others back very much. Veda, I know this. If a person was alone, if a person was in solitude, and there were no other people next to him to prevent him from doing something, to deter him from holiness. Even if that's true, yes, that there's no people by him. This person would still undergo all these confusions, these thoughts that, um, that burden him, these obstacles from preventing him from doing something holy. Because of course you have a Yetzirah. You know, so even if you're in solitude, of course you're going to have obstacles to do something Kadosh, even if there's not others behind, next to you to prevent you from doing that. But Rabbeinu says, Nonetheless, even though there's nobody next to you, Even though there would be nobody next to you, and yet still you'd still have, uh, what do you call it? You'd still have obstacles and thoughts of confusion. Um, Rabbanu says, even if that's the case, by the fact that you're in solitude, it would, you would still be directed or inclined to turn yourself to the pathway of life, to the Torah. Essentially, because there's no people there preventing you, you recognize that the Yetzirah is there, it'd be clear to you. And essentially, eventually, you would end up Uh, turning yourself towards the Torah, towards life, towards um, your purpose. Because eventually, at the end of all matters, you would always incline yourself towards the pathway of truth. Why? Because by the fact that you're in solitude, you have the ability to think clearly. And you don't have others preventing you, which can do much worse, as we saw above in Siman Pei. Rabbeinu explains, so that when we're in solitude, yes, we have thoughts of confusion, we have obstacles, even if you're alone. But nonetheless, by the fact that you're alone, you have the ability to combat that strength of the evil inclination and you'd always eventually, or you would eventually, in most cases, turn towards the pathway of life. Even if a person were to, God forbid, transgress along the Torah and to commit a sin, uh, may God spare us. Nonetheless, it's certain that this person Because he's in solitude, he has the ability to think. He almost has a composed mind in, in a way. And he would regret, a very big regret, every single time he would commit the sin. He would regret every single time he commits something evil. And at the end of all things, he'd always turn out to be close to the truth. He'd always go back toward the truth and put himself back on the right path. Aval, Barabanu says, in the case, in the case where there are people who are there to confuse you, 
דהיינו כשאדם מתחבר חסד שלנו לאיזה חכמים בדעתם, שיש להם איזה ידיעה בחקירה או פילוסופיה, או לאחד נסים. Meaning when a person joins himself together and puts himself in a group with other quote-unquote wise men, other people who are sophisticated in their minds, that they have a knowledge, an understanding in, philo- in philosophy and skepticism, or he makes friends with a group of uh, mockers, of uh, people who ridicule Torah, And these are the wisdoms that we're talking about, that today people accustom themselves to ridicule everything that is sacred, everything that is holy. This is what we're talking about. Rabban was saying, either you make your... When you are surrounded by people who are sophisticated in their minds, who do evil things, in a sense of um, not necessarily that they don't... Um, Rabban was giving two examples here. One is in the case of philosophers. People who don't follow the Torah at all, they are, in general, they have an evil, uh, they fall towards an evil nature. And uh, they engage in skepticism and all these questions that go against the faith of the Torah. That's one group. So you, either you, sometimes you can have friends like that, people around you that are from this group of philosophers. People engage in uh, secular philosophy that try to disprove anything in the Torah, that try to um, rationalize everything, all these things. Or you have a group of uh, people who mock and ridicule. And this doesn't necessarily mean people who do not follow the Torah. This can mean people who actually seem religious. But what? They use their wisdom to uh, cool people off, to uh, make a person fall from faith. They try to rationalize things. And uh, they ridicule things of Ketusha. Things that might be mentioned in the Sod, in the writings of the Ariza, or the Zohar, whatever it might be. Things that they don't like. This is a group of... Um, Mockers, and we're going to see that this one's even worse. Rabban was going to explain later. But nonetheless, nonetheless, when you are surrounded by people, you can either engage in the, you know what I mean? You can fall out that the people around you can be from these two types of groups. And it's known that, of course, these groups that ridicule everything sacred, um, Rabban was saying that it's known to those who are masters in these wisdoms that. Um, This is a common practice of them, to ridicule things of Ketusha. This obstacle and confusion is the worst one of all. Meaning this, um, uh, this idea of deterring people from holiness because of philosophy or a group of uh, ridiculers, this is the worst. Rabbi was saying these sophistications and philosophies are the worst thing of all. Because these wisdoms, these sophistications, they confuse a person and deter a person even more than anything else. Because with these people, everything becomes permissible to them. Why? Because they try to rationalize everything and try to create a reason for everything, why everything is permissible and allowed. Hence, Whether it's the first one, the first group, which we discussed is the group of philosophy, that this wisdom, this sophistication, damages a person certainly uh, very, very much, as is brought down, is brought down above, looking in in the section of uh, philosophy, to avoid philosophy, and, uh, and skepticism, and those books, and uh, all the other places, where Rabbeinu says, Likute Moran, etc. Rabbeinu has a few stories on this, in Sipur Mastiot, with the story of the Chacham and Etam, um, other inyanim, the last story, the seven beggars, the beginning. <clears throat> Rabban was saying that, okay, whether you want to talk about the group of philosophy, 
with regard to them, of course it's going to damage you because you're going to fall from your faith. It's going to deter you from doing something in Kedusha, which is obvious because their wisdoms go against the Torah. That's clear. But Rabbeinu says, don't be mistaken. The wisdoms and sophistications of, and the sarcasm of those people who seem to be kosher, who seem to be upright, who seem to have beards and peyot maybe, these can damage a person very, very much as well. And Rabbeinu is going to say how this one's even worse. Because the truth is, all of them are one. Because the sophistication and the sarcasm of these people who ridicule things in holiness, these people who might even seem religious on the, on the surface level, they are literally the same as these um, heresies which stem from uh, skepticism and philosophy. And Rabbeinu said, you want to get down to the real truth of it? These, these uh, sophistications, this type of mockery that these people engage in is actually even worse, is much worse than the wisdom of philosophy. Because from the wisdom of philosophy, everybody runs away from this, as long as you're a Jew. The majority of Jews Because the majority of Jews understand to flee away from these philosophy, from outright philosophy. Why? Because they know that this philosophy, that philosophy in general, damages a person's faith. It can bring a person to the pits of hell, God forbid. May Hashem spare us from this. And this is clear, of course, because their philosophies go against the Torah. But these types of mockery, these sophistications, people are not, uh, what do you call, inclined to flee from them as much to run away from them as much, it's harder to understand where the truth is. They, they might think there's some truth behind this. Why? Because of the fact that these words are emerging from people who seem to be upright. And they actually, they enclose and they garb their words in pathways of truth. As if the truth is with them. They try to convince the world as if the truth they have. As if they have the truth and they know what's the truth. And therefore, people in general are less inclined to flee from these sorts of uh, mockeries and sophistications. <clears throat> and they damage and confuse and deter a person very, very much from serving Hashem truthfully. Happy is he who merits to walk in the pathway of truth, in the pathway of the truth of truths. To be wholesome, to be upright. To have fear of God. To be removed from evil. Without any wisdoms and sophistication whatsoever. And this is, um, this is important. Considering that Rabban was speaking about people who seem to be upright on the surface level. Rabbeinu seems to be saying that people who can seem to be upright, who can seem to be righteous on the surface level can actually be the biggest um, um, obstacles for others in drawing close to true Ketusha. Why? Because these people can come up with their own novelties according to the Torah that can deter a person from the truth of the Torah. Many people um, 
today like to speak against tzaddikim, and they use their wisdom to speak against tzaddikim. They rely on great, uh, great other wisdom and great other books that uh, speak that bring certain concepts, and they use those concepts to their advantage. As we know, with regard to the Torah, zachan nase samchaim lo zachan nase samavet. If a person merits the Torah, it becomes an elixir of life. If a person does not merit the Torah, it, it can become um, a poison. Essentially, the Torah has two types of power. Tzadikim erchuvam ufoshim ikashluvam. The tzadikim can walk with the Torah, but the sinners will stumble upon it. Meaning what? The sinners will use the Torah just as much as the tzadikim use it. There can be people who dress up as rabbis with long coats, with a strimal, with beard and peyot even. And what? <laughs> These people can be the biggest uh, they can be the biggest wicked people trying to prevent others from drawing close to holiness using the wisdom of the Torah in their own fashion, trying to bring proofs in their own ways through the books. Because you know the Torah has, it has two types of power. You can use the Torah either for the truth or for the falsehood. But you can use the Torah for falsehood as well, meaning well, you can use proofs in the Torah to bring ideas that are contrary to the emet, that are contrary to what Rabbeinu might say, or are contrary to what Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, or the Ariya Kadosh, the Bar Shem Tov, Moshe Rabbeinu, or great tzaddikim, like the Ram Khan, whoever it might be. They can bring ideas that seem contrary, that are contrary to these great tzaddikim. And they use the Torah to their advantage to prove to the world that they are right. And this is the biggest danger of all. Because the Jewish people, of course, we understand. We're not foolish enough to, we're not foolish enough to fall into the idea that, what, that we can get a lot of wisdom for philosophy and that it can make us better Jews. Because we know that these philosophers, they were all mostly wicked people. They all engaged in their desires and they didn't understand the truth of the world at all. They all came up with hypotheses and theories in which they thought everything made sense. But none of that, none of that is truth. And we know that. We know the truth is in the Torah. But when it comes to people who dress up as Rabbanim, perhaps, people who dress up as upright people, we, we might be, uh, it might be harder to find the truth. It might be harder to understand where the truth is and therefore we might fall into this mistake in thinking that they are right. And this is the biggest danger of all, to think and to fall into these sophistications and these types of, uh, this type of sarcasm that draws a person away from Kedusha. For example, Rabbani might speak against going to Uman. And they use the Torah to explain that actually a person should go, a person should be with their wife for Rosh Hashanah, and bring proof from Halakha that a person should be with their wife for Rosh Hashanah, and this and that, that's important to be with your wife and honor your wife. But they don't understand anything of the Torah, these people. Because they use the Torah towards the thing, but it's a sum of it. For them, it's a, it's a poison of death. They have no idea how to interpret the Torah, Torah properly. And even some people who might even be higher, who might even be very high people, but some might say, and no, it's good. Stay in Uman, stay, stay in Israel for Rosh Hashanah. It has the same Kedusha as Uman. And um, uh, now that there's Israel, a person shouldn't need to go to Uman. They don't know because they don't have Emunah, what Rabbeinu says. And it's, this is a sophistication, a sarcasm. And these people seem to be upright on the surface level. And they try to discourage people. And of course, they don't speak. Maybe they don't might not speak neg negatively about the tzaddik, but this sarcasm can damage a person very much because you think that their advice is kadosh because of the way they look. Rabban was saying, these gadim, these this type of clothing is a boget, it's a traitor. It does not reflect the person. The, a lot of the time, the person is hidden in the heart. That's all the time, and the clothing does not reflect what a person, the truth a person uh, beholds. But um, 
Rabban was saying that a lot of times people can disguise themselves to be upright when they met the truth, the, the word that they're spewing is complete falsehood. Siman Pebet. Bezot Adati. Ki Tabi. Ki Lo Oivi Alain. David Amenach writes in Tehilim chapter 41, verse 12. With this I know. Ki Tabi. That you, God, desire me. When will you desire me? When will I know that you desire me, Hashem? When my enemies don't do anything evil to me. When my enemies haven't done evil to me. Rabenu is going to use these words and translate in a completely different fashion in a way that is massive. And look at this. Look how deep this goes. With this, that my enemies are not evil, meaning meaning that what that my my enemies, the enemies that are upon me, they are not evil. Meaning what? By the fact that my enemies are not evil, it's actually that the fact that tzaddikim are arguing against me. It's tzaddikim who are opposing me. With this I know that you desire me. Rabban was saying like this, you want to know the true sign whether you are in the Emet or not. It's not whether Reshaim are against you. It's whether tzaddikim are opposing you. If tzaddikim are opposing you, and this can be a sign that you are on the true path. We see this with Rabenu and the great Tzadikim. With all the great Tzadikim. With Moshe Rabenu. With the Ari Kadosh, With David Amelech And the chasing of Shaul. With so many cases. The Ramchal. A very good example. Rabbi Nachman, of course. The Bat Shem Tov. Great Tzadikim. They never had Reshaim oppose them. There were always other Tzadikim opposing them. We say about the story of, um, of uh, how Rabbi Natan printed Sipurim Asiyot. Rabbeinu gave Rabbi Natan the order to print the 13 tales that he wrote. And uh, it was only after, I think it was six years later after Rabbeinu was passing that the tales were printed. And there was a big tzaddik at the time, Rabbi Yoshua Heshel Me'apta, a big chassid at the time, who came out when he read the Sipurim Asiyot, he said this is so high that it's forbidden to reveal. And anyone who reveals it will have the same curse about the person who laid their hand on the treasures of Yericho. The same curse that happens to the person who lays their hand, who laid their hand on the treasures of Yericho, Achan, as brought down in the Nevi'im, in Yoshua. Um, the same curse will happen to that person of principle of Masyot. But Rabbi Natan knew that this is just another opposition on the way towards Ktusha, on the way towards doing what Rabbanu asked him to do, on the way of the Yemet Namito. So Rabbanu says, so Rabbi Natan said, I will print it no matter what. Even if this big tzaddik says like this, because he understood the secret that Rabbi Natan was saying. With this I know that you desire me, that my enemies are not actually evil, they are tzaddikim. <laughs> and that's the way, that's the sod of this verse. Um, so we see if there's, with the big tzaddikim, like Rabbi Natan and other tzaddikim, of course, we see that uh, it was always other tzaddikim opposing them. And uh, this is the main thing that uh, we have to understand that, of course, between Sadiqim, there's always makhluk between Sadiqim. Look in lesson five for understanding on how to engage in this, how to be silent in this area, how to reinforce yourself with emunah, and to understand that the makhluk of Sadiqim is actually a reflection of the tshuva that you need to do within yourself. But um, it goes very deep, and this is, uh, of course, something very powerful that we have to understand. And uh, that's it for today, Bizrat Hashem. We continue the next episode with uh, Lesson 83.